When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, it's Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly audio show all about Fulham FC. Tonight's podcast, I'm joined by Dominic Betts. Hello, hello. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Guy Barlow is back for another pod. Hiya, how are you? Very good, thank you. How are you all doing? Good. Good after Saturday, definitely. Yeah, a lot better than better. the Monday after the Norwich uh, game. Well, it was a very eventful game on Saturday, which we will touch upon in this podcast. We're also going to be chatting to Lee Adams, as who, as you may know, uh, walked with his crew from Fulham to Reading. We'll have that a little bit later in the show. Major respect. Exactly. We're going to be looking back at the Wickham game as well and looking forward to the Leeds game, plus answering your questions, of course. So, Jack, I think we need some three-word reviews from the Reading game. What has come in? Quite a lot, actually, very, very pleasingly. Alex W had used Perseverance Piazon Point. I love that. Which one. I thought was really, really good. Um, Tom O'Dwyer, our, our website king, shouts out Tom O'Dwyer. It felt like winning, which nice. is probably fair enough. Nice. Uh, limbs, limbs, limbs from Bettinelli, which was reasonably amusing. Marcus Bettinelli? No, funny enough, not. Oh. Alex Bomer's Piazon Rumbles Royals, which I, you know, very nice. And Alfie Bon, better than nothing. Well, it was better than nothing indeed. A uh, late point rescued by that man, Lucas Piazzon. Now, before we come on to the Reading game, uh, we just got to let you know that Fulhamish this season is backed by Ladbrokes. And at the moment, you can bet £5, get £20. That means if you deposit just a fiver, Ladbrokes are going to add another 20 quid to your account. You can get that at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So, guys, if you had... £25 bet in a Labbrooks account for tomorrow against Leeds. What would you bet for? Nice and quick. Don bets, what are you going to go for? I think 1-1 one, one correct score. 1-1 one, one correct score. Let's pub that into the system. That would get you £300 if that came in. That's the night out pay for them. Including steak. Including the steak. <laughs> got to remember that, Sammy. Uh, Jack Collins, what are you going to go for? Both teams to score in a Fulham win. All right, here we go. That's come out at £125. Yeah. Not, not a huge bet, but you know. It's quite comfortable though, isn't it? Cheeky four to one. Is that including steak? Would that pay for your night out? Probably not. And that does include your steak. <laughs> right, Guy, what are you going to go for? I've gone for Lee's half-time, full and full-time. Oh, I like. I love a half-time, full-time. Yeah. Right, here we go. Oh, big odds on that one. 33 to one, which would land you a sweet £850. Which would buy a couple of rounds yeah. in this part of town. <laughs> in London, maybe, yeah. So if you want to get that deal, bet £5, get £20. Just head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk. But right, on with the Reading game. As said, battling one or draw. Piazon rescuing a point after Liam Kelly put the home side ahead after the hour. Uh, the thing that we have to start with, uh, Thomas Callas, or Tim Ream, if you're gentleman, Jim, uh, sent off after just 38 seconds for his challenge on Moodoo Barrow. Um Obvious talking point, but should it have been a red card? I think yes. Yeah, I'm with Dom. Uh, I, I think, think probably. Jack Barnes on Twitter, he had a, he had a picture taken exactly 
when Callas is taking his man down and Reen's position, there is no way he's going to get across in time when one of the quickest players on the pitch in Modu Barrow is running through on goal. Obviously, it's only one match ban because it's just a professional foul. It's not like violent conduct or anything. So, yeah, I think it was a deserved red card. I don't really see any argument to say otherwise once you've seen the photo from the away stand of Reen being so far away. I think what is quite clear, and a lot of people saying, oh, Tim Reen could have got back. I think there's no way that a shot wouldn't have been had by Barrow. And I think whether it may, the only grey line is, is it a clear goal scoring opportunity? But it would have been a goal scoring opportunity. Whether it would have been a definite goal is, is another is another matter. I think there are issues with the refereeing in the game I'm sure we'll come on to. But the, the, the problem for me isn't the red card, the problem's inconsistency. I think that if that had gone the other way, if that had been a Reading player taking our player down on 36 seconds on the edge of the box, we would have been screaming for a red card. And I think it's, it's as simple as that. If you think it would have been a red card going the other way, then it has to be a red card going towards us. Yeah, one argument I'd argue is people saying, oh, it's early in the game. I don't really think that matters. No one gets booked no. first five, Dom. That's the rules. Because <laughs> like, if it's, if it's a red card offence, it's a red card offence. It doesn't matter what second or minute of the game it's in for me. I yeah. mean, it's absolutely incredible for it to happen quite so early. Can you remember anything like this? A red card in the first minute in a Fulham game? I can't even remember a red card in the first three or four minutes. It's absolutely mad. Matt Smith got sent off very early at Reading a few years ago, yeah. didn't he? On his debut. For yes, a horrible, he did. Horrible that, was a, that was a horrid <laughs> tackle. And that, 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 that was in the first 20 tackle. minutes, definitely, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. But you said to me at half-time regarding the Callas decision, it was... Harsh, but not incorrect. And yeah. I, think, I think that's probably... I think that's where I'd lie on it. Yeah, I think so. Um, Fulham, if they did decide to appeal, which I don't think they will, is it the rule now that if you appeal against a professional foul and you're incorrect, the ban can increase? Yeah, the ban can increase. I mean, it rarely does. But mm. I, don't, I just don't see... If it's only one game, I really don't see the point in appealing. I mean... Also, if we appeal, like we'd have to have a decision by, what, five o'clock tomorrow for it to be of any use at all? Yeah, so I, and I think I'd rather just like let him have his game ban against Leeds, then he's fully rested a week until the Sheffield Wednesday game. I was looking up some facts, trying to work out if it how high up the list of fastest ever sending offs in English football ever. And I found this good article on 442, which came out after the Gerrard red card. Remember, we got that red card really early when he played Man United. He came on half time and it was in the first 30 seconds. He That's got, stamp. Yeah. Yeah. So also I, a red card. <laughs> I made it the fifth fastest sending off from the beginning of a match in professional English football history. Now, I could be really wrong. I didn't do some deep research, but what I thought was quite funny was the fastest ever red card that was recorded was three seconds. And it was a player, League Two or something like that. Referee, referee blew his whistle right by the striker. And the striker went to the referee, fuck me, that was loud. Straight red card. Yeah, I think I've read, read yeah. something about this. I mean, one a quick red card that comes to mind for me, it wasn't from the beginning of the game, but was it Keith Gillespie, Sheffield United? Yeah, 100%. When they were in the Premier League, when he literally came on, was, what did he do? Did he punt someone or two-foot someone within about was, five seconds? Yeah, it was so quick. That's the, I think that's the <laughs> smallest amount of time between a player coming on and being sent off, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So we've seen players being sent off before they've even got onto the pitch, which is quite funny in itself. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I can't remember anything Fulham game-wise that was even that early close, in the game. really. Yeah, because I, 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 thankfully I didn't have to go to that 
Reading game when Matt Smith got sent off. I was there in my 18th million trip to the Midlands. The first two seasons in Championship, I luckily had a reason to not go to Reading away both times. Yeah, lucky uh, man. So Cabano was subbed for Dennis Adoy a few minutes later, who t- did an unreal job at centre back. Masterclass is what that yeah. was. Genius. How on earth did that come about? I don't know, but Dennis Adoy, I, I, I know he's versatile, but I didn't really use that versatile. He was so solid at centre back. For a small man, he's got a big leap, and it also probably helped that he was up against Joseph Mendes, who is, while he is very strong, isn't the tallest man in the world. Um, and yeah, he, there was a couple of sort of battles and whatever, but he didn't. You know, he's not he's not short, but he's also not massive. It, it uh, says a lot about Slav's faith in Jarlo, definitely. If he brought on a door instead of an actual centre back, we have about two million questions about that. So let's <laughs> leave that to the end. <laughs> but Fulham did very well to contain Reading. Uh, with 10 men and I know there's this argument about how sometimes it's hard to play a team uh, with 10 men but I sometimes wonder if that's just psychology at the end of the day it's a long old time uh, to be one player short and really the chances were pretty even on both sides I'm looking in the first half the biggest chance came to us with Oliver Norwood when he curls him outside the box and it nearly just dipped in the back of it I literally thought oh that's going in as soon as he hit that with the inside of his foot but uh, Vita Manone unfortunately got a hand to it but yeah first half Quite a cagey first half. I didn't really think there was many chances at all apart from the Oli Norwood chance. No, not at all. Um, I think it would. It was. It was funny that you say that, but the the point being, I think, in that is that the biggest chance of the first half came from an outside of the box shot. You know, from twenty five, mm. thirty yards, and I think that that sort of summed up the first half. We kept them out really well. We, you know, we looked we looked a bit shaky to begin with once we went down to ten, but as the half went on, we grew in confidence, and you know we probably started, we probably ended the half the slightly stronger of the two teams, which is nice to see. I think one thing you, I, I actually noticed in the game, I didn't notice it straight away, but when I was all thought about the game afterwards, was that Button's distribution of the ball was much better than we used to him in that game, and I think he had so much stick before pre-season, but in the first two league games of the season, he's been one of our best players. Hundred percent, David Button is obviously not. He's not like you know perfect by any stretch of imagination, but if we're going to criticise him after those two games, then no keeper would be able to do a job for us because Button has been outstanding for us twice now. Definitely, the the only chance worthy of mention in the first half was that header. He made a good save down low to really the right, stop, but yeah. yeah, that was the only chance I could think of for Reading in the first half. Anyway, uh, Reading's goal it was just after the hour. Liam Kelly putting them in front. I mean, he had a lot of space, but I feel like that's just the danger of having 10 men occasionally one man's going to be free and have too much space outside the box I think the tricky bit for that is the original cross comes in and Sean Air Luco heads it away I think it is and then the ball goes out back to the to the left back who feeds the left winger again and there's just so much time for that winger to pick a cross and he finds Mendes who does really well to hold it up and he lays it off for Kelly and I said at the time there's nothing wrong with that goal like the, you know there's nothing really you can do you know, Kelly had too much space, yeah, but we had a man spare on them. We had a man less on the pitch. Like there was no way that we could have done really anything about that, that goal. It was well held, good cross, well held up, well laid off, good finish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Slav really, uh, it seemed to me like a tactical masterclass from Slav. All three subs, and actually uh, Nick McNee got in touch on Twitter to make this point how Slav got all three of his subs absolutely spot on, uh, and especially compared to the Norwich game where he was criticised for his substitute. So obviously we just mentioned Adoy coming on at centre-back, did an amazing job. Uh, Piazon kind of speaking for itself um, and also he like he was making a lot of chances as well as just the chance that he took. I think took. with Piazon, he obviously had a point to prove to running fans because they, I think when he was there, didn't believe he put any work rate in which is quite weird thinking about really it. Really odd, isn't it? Because really he's like our most idea. passionate player. Like I was speaking to a Reading fan like 
last season when we got Piers on loan like at the end of August and he was like, I don't know why I've got him, Don, mate. He's he hasn't got any passion or work very typical South American player. I was like, Okay, we'll wait and see. And like, yeah, you can see how much the goal meant because he, he was getting booed and so he cupped his ears straight to the running fans. He didn't care about the fun fans to start off with and then eventually celebrate in front of us when you can just see one fun fan at the bottom and <laughs> the whole like banners on the bottom part of the stand, which which looked quite funny. But yeah, from the goal it was it was quite funny because like Reading is supposed to be this team who play it really well from outside the back and it's Van den Beek just giving it away to Piers on and then he runs through and goal, beats one man and slots it into the back of the net. At well, the, he had a nightmare after coming yeah, on. Yeah, at the, at the time, I thought that, oh, Minoni should have saved that. That's a bad goalkeeper. So did yeah. I. But it's actually just a great finish from Piers on. I think maybe because where the angle I was, I was directly behind the goal, so it looked like it sort of just went through Minone. But honestly, yes, it was a great Great, great goal. I mean, yes, they give away the ball, but he's still got to beat that man and then bury it past Monono. I mean, that moment where he cupped the Reading fans, I feel like that's got to be moment and picture of the season so far. It's... It might be. I mean, we haven't got that much. We haven't got yeah. that much to choose. No, right I realise it's only two games Sam. in, but still. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice till after the game because I was too busy cupping the Reading fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think there's ever been a game when I've run over to the home section when we've scored because I'm not usually someone to do that. I'm usually someone to celebrate. But yeah, it just seemed like the, uh, my entire row was just charging towards the home end. <laughs> I was on the other side of the divider as well, and I <laughs> went towards the Reading fans, completely, even though it was completely opposite ends. So yeah, <laughs> it was an absolute brilliant finish. He, that boy can definitely finish Piazon. We've always said that. It's, it's one-on-one finishing for a number 10 is brilliant, because I'd say, like, if you take Kearney, for example, he might try to do too much. Or you take Vani, he might try to do too much. But Piazon, whenever he's in a one-on-one situation, he usually scores. You take Bristol City away last season, you got Brian at home last season. Nottingham Forest at home. Yeah, he just, he's just a very good one-on-one finisher, I think. On that point, I'd quite like to quote myself. Oh, yeah. Um, From I, your defence of Piazon. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I just just need to quickly find it. I think, didn't the BBC Radio Berkshire commentator say it was a mistake to bring Piazon on? Um, he, I heard that yeah. on Twitter. So, because he's not the type of player you want to bring on when you've got 10 men because of the lack of supposed lack of work rate. BBC Radio Berkshire, yeah. the Sammy's best mates over yeah, there. They are. I'm on, I, was even, I was on there on Friday night at BBC Radio Berkshire. Mate, you love it. I fucking <laughs> ate it. Here's the quote. <laughs> on top of that, Piazon's finishing ability one-on-one has been proven over the course of the last season. Unlike many others, the Chelsea Loney seems to have the ice-cold finishing ability that we've been crying out for at points. And when he's thrown goal, I feel comfortable that he's going to score. Playing him more centrally, I see, feel like we'd see more of this. Point, closed, done. Yeah, we don't need to boost your ego anymore, Jack. Well done, well done, Jack. Uh, the other sub I was going to mention was Kamara, and this is the other point that Nick McNee made on Twitter, who did a real job, actually, when he came on, really stretched that Reading defence. He's doing well as that impact sub in the second half, which isn't great for Kamara, but good for Fulham, in a sense. It was a really funny performance from Kamara, and I spent a lot of time just laughing because the first time he got the ball, it bounced off him like a wall, and it literally went about 10 metres in the other direction. The man can't control the ball, and he can't pass, but he seems to be this weird sort of weapon that just like occasionally does amazing things. I really enjoyed his performance. He did. You're completely correct. Stretch the Reading defence. I still don't think he's very good. Like I really don't actually think he's a very good footballer, but he is a useful weapon. He's played like 40 minutes in total, hasn't he? I mean, it'd be hard, it'd be hard to judge him based on that. Okay, obviously. but just in terms of his technical ability, I, I, and also I've heard you know, rumours from various camps that uh, the camera is a bit of a, a joke figure on the old training ground. Uh, everyone keeps just like, apparently just like, nutmegging him in drills and like, because he obviously like, lumbers around a bit. You know, it's one thing in a full-sided game where he has the like, ability to sort of like run past the defence and, and turn the burners on. But imagine in like, a small-sided game, this man who obviously like, is quite like, big physically I can imagine him struggling to sort of 
turn in small spaces and things. And apparently they're they're all a bit like sort of like just not making him all the time. And well, it's hilarious that is. I mean, he's quite an expensive person to have as a nutmegging weapon that occasionally comes off the bench. I don't really mind if if he does that and we win games because of it. It's all worth the outlay. Yeah, I mean, if you even look at Cabano's Instagram story from Sunday morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. them singing in the change room, him and Kamara just looked like I was just like, Cabano, what is going on? And Floyd Aites in the background yeah. looking really confused. Yeah, well, him so and Kamara just on. like singing along some, I think probably some French song, and I was like, what is? What have I just watched? <laughs> like, I'm hungover. What have I just wasted about 15, 20 seconds of my life actually watching? And Fulham could have, though, won it at the end of the game. Uh, McDonald's shot blocked just wide of the post. It would have been the best smash and grab in uh, in history. Yeah, I would, I would love it, especially to McDonald because he's my favourite player on the side. But I think a draw was probably a fair result. Neither team was clinical enough or looked dead, killering since to win the game. So again, for two weeks in a row, a 1-1 result looks like the fairest outcome. I think one thing we may have not mentioned is that Norwood block at 1-0. Um when it, I think of John Swift when we won a down, yeah, and that was, and I thought we've haven't we talked to a lot of people. Norwood had another terrific game. I thought looks looks pretty classy. I really like Norwood. I think he did his best to sort of endear himself to the Fulham fans, not only with that big shot, but also with his tackling. He was massive in the challenge in the second half. And you know, we said last week that he was trying to cover McDonald, and you know, McDonald's perhaps a more physical kind of you know beast. But Norwood was the one throwing his body all over the line for us on on Saturday, and and that's a major plus point. You know, not only is he excellent on the ball, not only has he clearly got an unbelievable strike on him, which we you know saw briefly, but he also is, seems to be willing to put the hard yards in for the team. And I think he could be another one of these players that really enjoys playing for the club as a loanee and looks to come you know come through permanently because you know you see elements of that kind of Piazon game where he sort of chases everything. You know, and Norwood was very much similar on Saturday, and I hope we see more of him. Yeah, we looked at our midfield three, and we obviously it was like it's been what's been so critical to our side. And like, I kind of wanted to make the point, but I didn't. I wasn't sure if it was if it was actually correct. Is that I reckon out of the three, Kearney's the one you miss least when they're out of the side. 100%. He, he, may, he may be the best player technically out of all three of them, but what McDonald and Johansson add to our team is much more than what Kearney actually does because we've got so many good attacking players, the likes of Cabana, Aite. Aluko, who who can fit into that role itself, and obviously Pearson. So I think if any of those three are going to be injured, Kearney's probably the least one to worry about. Kearney had Kearney's obviously the best ten in the league, I think, by you know some distance. But the problem is in our system, it, the ten isn't as crucial as everything else, and the the difference we have is the work rate of those middle three. And when we had you know obviously Kearney and Johansson and and Norwood last week. Kearney's like lack of work rate really impacted us late in the game. And it was when Norwich really started to get space and and, and that didn't happen at all against Reading. There was at no point did I feel like the midfield lost their dynamism or, or lost their kind of impetus. And the three of them charging around, you know, Steph, again, didn't have a great game. And we, it's the point about Steph and it's, it's the same thing about K-Mac. When K-Mac doesn't have great games, you don't notice because of the amount of effort he puts in. Technically, yeah, he might misplace more passes than he's used to. But also he's still charging around, making blocks, making tackles, making space and opening up things. And I think that that's so crucial as compared to, yeah, a Kearney shot or a pass can, you know, score the one goal that makes the difference. Agreed. But if you don't have that kind of base of defensive stability, you fall apart. And that's what we saw at the end of Norwich and what we didn't see against Reading. Well, a little bit of a gear change.
chair. Um, earlier on, I spoke to Lee Adams, who you may know on Twitter as Match Worn Shirts One. There was a group of Fulham fans on Saturday who walked all the way from Craven Cottage to the Medeski Stadium. Uh, they raised loads of money for the charity Calm. I started off by asking him exactly how far they went. We set off from Craven Cottage at 7.30 Friday evening. Uh, there was 10 of us, great group of lads. We had such a laugh on the way. We were laughing, giggling and pushing each other through. The camaraderie between a lot of us was superb. Helping each other out was just amazing and we showed proper unity and togetherness, really. Julian worked it out. We walked 47 miles in the end. Wow. Time-wise, I think about 14 hours. We stopped for a little bit every now and then gee ourselves up and go. The youngsters were on the floor uh, laying out, as you've seen on social media. Uh, the older lads, me, Julian, uh, Keith and Peter were standing up, not, not wanting to sit down because if we sat down, that was it. That was game over. We weren't getting back up. I've just seen on Just Giving that you've raised over £7,000 for Calm, which is Campaign Against Living Miserably, and they campaign uh, for mental health awareness for male suicide, which, um, as we all know, has such, been such a huge problem that's been growing in the last few years particularly. You must have been really chuffed, though, at how much you guys have raised. It's a huge amount of money. Oh, Sammy, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely, literally blown away. I'm absolutely flabbergasted with the response that um, people have been giving me personally. Um, I've had so many direct messages where people have been speaking openly about their, their fight against depression, and it, I've, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I've, I've, where I got to the grounds, I literally just had a tear in my eye. I just thought to myself, Do you know what? Out of all the things I've done in life, this is probably one of the greatest things. Apart from having kids, this is definitely the greatest thing I've ever achieved. Uh, it's got people talking, which to me, you know, the £7,000 is, is money, and to me, money's materialistic. Uh, £7,000 have got more people talking, more people know about Calm. So in the long run, I hope that people can use Calm if needed. They can pass it on to friends, family, loved ones that, that need it and just kind of get men talking. And uh, as I say all the time, the stats behind the, the male suicides in the UK is just alarming. Every two hours a male commits suicide in the UK. That's 12 a day. That's a football team a day. And like you said, it's got bigger and bigger over the last couple of years. And uh, I was in a meeting with Calm the other day and they can't believe how many Fulham fans are actually talking about it. Uh, so I'm, I'm personally, for me and Calm, we're, we're both saying massive thank you to the Fulham fans that have absolutely backed this and the Reading fans as well. They engaged highly, they donated. And when we got to the stadium, they were just patting our backs, saying well done. It was just everybody come together and I think that's what football should do. Football has the ability to do it, so I feel we should use it a lot more and there's got to be a lot more activities coming up where people can join me and do something fun for charity and massive awareness. This isn't the first crazy challenge you've done. I've spoken to you uh, before one of your other ones. Last season you cycled to Wigan. Now, I've seen rumours that you might be doing a tour of London football clubs on Twitter, which sounds like a pretty novel idea. Uh, when do you think this uh, next challenge of yours might be in play? Yeah, yeah, Wigan, we cycled up to me and Morgan, cycled up to Wigan. Uh, I've done Preston, Peterborough, Brighton last year, and it's just, it is just keep growing and growing and growing. And I, like you said, um, put it out on social media, what do you think we should do next? Uh, I want as many people as possible to join me. You know, the, the Tour of London 
football clubs. I, I kind of like that idea on a bicycle. Now, you went to the game, obviously, on Saturday after you completed the walk. I noticed the club uh, gave you complimentary tickets uh, to you guys, which is a real nice gesture from them. Uh, what was your overall thinking of the game itself? Yeah, the club have been absolutely superb in all of this. They gave us the kit free of charge. Uh, they kitted us out in polo shirts, shorts, socks. And Alison McIntosh paid for the tickets for us out of his own pocket. So, you know, a massive thank you to the club for for raising funds. Uh, they've also gave us a signed shirt from this season, which is at auction at the moment on my Twitter account. It's £400. Feel free to bid. Um, the game, we got into the hotel room that Reading gladly put on for us. Me and Peter fell asleep in the bed. Uh, subsequently, I woke up at probably about 11 minutes past three. So I missed the sending off. And I've, I've jumped in the shower and hobbled along round the long, long way round to the away end. And the steward tells me that oh, we've already had a man sent off. <laughs> I say, no, you're kidding. You're kidding. But I thought the game was really good. I thought we dug deep and I thought, thought we showed a lot of resilience. The goal was superb. We took it really well. I, I, I was really impressed with the way we played football. Yeah, I'm imagining you all jumping up for Lucas's goal really quickly and then quickly like grabbing some sort of hamstring or groin that uh, was a little bit tight after a nearly near 40-mile walk. Um, Lee, well done. You guys absolutely smashed Thank out of the park. Can't wait to see what your next challenge is. At Matchworn Shirt is uh, at Matchworn Shirt 1 is where you can find all the details and the link to your Just Giving page. So if, uh, if you guys haven't donated yet and you've got a spare 10 or 20 pounds, whatever you've got, uh, I'm sure it will go really far away, don't Lee? Uh, massively, massively. It, it costs seven pounds to collect a call for for a man to talk to a professional. So, in theory, we could save a life with seven pounds. Uh, to me, that 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 means the world to me. And I just want to say thank you to you, Sammy, for this. Uh, thank you to all the Fulham fans, to Aaron, to Sky Sports, to BBC uh, about promoting this. It, it's just been absolutely unbelievable, and I'm just amazed. I've literally sat back yesterday and realised how far it actually went and how many people been touched by calm and so forth. So let's keep fighting. Let's, let's be the first club that can set a precedent. That's what I want to do. Brilliantly. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good day, mate. Good luck. Thank you, Sammy. Welcome back to Fulhamish Podcast. So we've just touched on the Reading game. Uh, shortly, we're going to be doing a Leeds preview and answering your questions, of course. Uh, but first up, we've just got to do a little bit of a mention for the Wickham game in the League Cup last week because uh, we haven't done a podcast since then. Now, it was a fairly routine 2-0 win in the Carabao Cup to advance to the second round. I still there's that's the ring of the Carabao Cup still doesn't quite sound natural to me. I'm sure it will after a season or two. They all kind of... This is why I just always call it the League Cup, so I don't have to get confused with whatever sponsor it is for next season. I still call it the Worthington Cup. Yeah, the, see, to the me Milk Cup. To me, it's the Carling Cup. Yeah. I used to like it when it was the Worthington Cup. Anyway, I... Pretty much every championship team went through to the second round on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we were no different. Slav, as expected, made 11 changes. Who, who stood out for you guys? Don't ask me, I left after half an hour. Oh, yes, I, I was going to ask you about this. I mean, that's quite incredible. So you did half an hour, and then did you go back to the stadium, or were you just in the bar in the, were you just no, in the, bar we, in the concourse? It wasn't a bar. We, yeah, we ordered about 20, after 25 minutes, we ordered an Uber back to the town centre to go to the pub. <laughs> I've been to Wickham before. I said if it's nil-nil after half an hour, we're, we're leaving. And then the, guy, the, the, the steward was like, oh, yeah, we can't let you at half time. I was like, no, I ain't coming back. <laughs> and I still left, like, still got home to Marylebone later than most people because I got 
I think the ten we got the ten forty five train back. We did we? get the ten forty five train back done. Well, I actually stayed in the ground. So Jack, <laughs> uh, I'll ask you, who stood out? Uh, a few players stood out. Matt O'Reilly had a good game. I thought Matt O'Reilly would have probably been my man of the match. I got shot down quite heavily on that on Twitter. But who who did win official man of the match? Actually, guess. Was it Marcelo Jallo? No, it was Piazon because yeah. he scored. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, right. Um, that's right. Like, I'm, I'm kind of down with that. Piazon actually had quite a good game. Um, but Matt O'Reilly looked excellent. I think we played a 4 4 2. I'm not 100% convinced, but I also think we played Matt O'Reilly on the left wing. And even from on the left wing, he looked tidy. Really nice. Some really good deliveries from set pieces. Um, he looks tidy, comfortable on the ball. And, yeah, he did a really good job. Steven Sessegnon had a good game at right back. Mm-hmm. He did really well. Um, he looks much more defensively solid than his brother without necessarily having the same attacking impetus. That's okay. how I would describe it. Um, he did well. Jallo did okay. He did fine. He he distributed the ball well. He won a few big headers. Um, but everyone who's messaged us saying, you're all wrong about Jallo because of one performance he had against, you know, League Two opposition in Wickham <laughs> in, the, in the Carabao Cup, uh, enough. Um, he was just at his level. Yeah, he, he looked comfortable at that level without looking outstanding. And, you know, Michael Maddell didn't have a particularly good game. but And Jallo was probably the better of the two, but not by much. And that was a poor game yeah. from Maddell. We don't need to bring up Ben Jarman. To, uh, yeah, exactly. To I'm, I'm not going to get the Ben Jarman, you know, the rant about this. But if Jallo did fine. He did. He looked comfortable at that level. I don't. I still wouldn't trust him in a championship game at this point. Um, Kamara started up front. Was he fairly quiet? You'd have thought this would be the game where he might bag a goal or two, but he seemed pretty, pretty average. Just didn't do much. He did some bits and bobs, but like again, he's just he's he like occasionally would like skin a man and then just like try and deliver a ball and it would go nuts. Uh, Woodrow missed two really obvious yeah. chances that Camera created for him, sure. which were. Um, which was a bit sad because Cameron actually did quite well for both of those chances. One, he got to the byline and pulled back a really nice cross. Uh, and the other one was sort of like a low drilled thing that Woodrow managed to side foot wide. But yeah, he, he did okay. Woodrow was by far and away Fulham's worst player um, by, by some distance. Um, I'm truly shocked by that information. Well, it was his performance in the, oh, what was it, last League, season? Yeah, whatever it was. The League Cup last season against Bristol City, which well, did it for a lot of fans, did it for me. And I, I'm pretty sure... Um, convinced Slav that he wasn't a good enough option. So potentially he's soiled, soiled his name against, again. I thought you meant against Leighton Orient because he was actually quite good in that game. No, I but, actually meant against Bristol City. Yeah, he was very poor against City and he was very poor against Middlesbrough as well. Well, there's a rumour um, ju- just this afternoon about Burton re-signing him on loan from Sky. Well, kind of makes sense. I don't yeah. mind that. And there's also a massive rumour that Michael Maddell's off to uh, Warsaw. Um, yeah. which is now 4.1 on the Football Whispers Index, which suggests that it's probably going through. Really? Out of five or out, out of, of ten? Five. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, um, I tend to I like the Football Whispers Index. I've it's not heard of that. That's new on me. Football Whispers um, is a very good website. Oh, I okay. thought um, very good analysis. Marek, Marek Rodak had a pretty good game. Did, correct. Yes. yes. Very good. Yep. So much so that even some people were saying that he could give competition to Button and Bettinelli. Is that a little That's bit strong? I thought it was. As always. <laughs> I think it's a little bit extreme, although. But he did. He looked excellent. He looked, maybe not. Also, no, maybe not this year. I think they were. I think the majority of people were more he's thinking the level a year or two. Jesse, Yor- Jesse Joranen or Joranen. No, uh, you know what? He looked. Uh, I'll, I'll give the man some credit. He actually was very good from set pieces. Very good in the air. Very commanding. He likes a punch a little bit more than yeah. both of our keepers do. But I'm not entirely averse to that. Um, he, he didn't look awed by the situation. You know, he had to face Adebayo Akinfenwa at one point. He made two excellent stops at the very end. Um, yeah. And Jesse Onren scored a league goal, so 
you know, when he was at Stevenage. So there we are. I think I think Marek Rodak is definitely one for the future, and he looks he looks comfortable. And you know, if you're comfortable at League Two at that age, then there's no reason to say that he couldn't come on to become you know part of the Fulham setup in the future. Um, Bristol Rovers at home in round two. Now, obviously, as I just mentioned, it was the other Bristol side at Craven Cottage uh, that knocked us out last year. So Guy be looking to uh, avoid, avoid a repeat of that. It would be a bit more of a shock if Bristol Rovers came to the cottage and knocked us out. Yeah, we've, we've got a pretty poor record against Bristol Rovers, though, from what I remember. They beat us in the FA Cup about 10 years ago. It was on penalties, wasn't it, under Roy Hodgson? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and but we lost them in the playoffs in the 90s mm. when they beat us like 4-1 at home or something like that. Yeah, so, we yeah, my 1-0 away, didn't we? Yeah, my, very my, odd combination of yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> and we, we, we lost them in the playoffs two years in a row. So we've, we've actually got a kind of a weird rivalry. So, yeah, but an interesting game. They're um, quite poor. They've lost both get opening games of the fixture. They obviously must have won in the Cup, but they lost their opening two league fixtures, and they lost this weekend 4-1 to Peterborough. Um, it was an absolute demolition job as well. It wasn't it wasn't a 4-1. They got two lucky goals at the end. It was a complete route. Um, so they haven't started well, and, you know, we shouldn't be worrying whether the you know, League One sides are starting well or not, but at the same time, you know, you know, someone in form is always going to be dangerous and they don't look like they've hit that gear yet. So that's probably a positive for us. OK, we'll be back with a Leeds preview after this. Hello, listeners. Here at Fulhamish, we love beer. And if you love beer too, you can get a free eight-pack case of delicious Norwegian beer from our friends over at Beer 52. All you have to do is pay £6.95 postage and packaging, and you can find this offer if you go to beer52.com and use the promo code FULHAM. That's beer52.com using the promo code FULHAM. One take! <laughs> so welcome back to Fulhamish and tomorrow evening as we are right now, you're probably listening to this uh, in the morning of, uh, there's a beautifully scheduled Tuesday night trip to Ellen Road to face the side that we pipped to the playoffs last season. Uh, Going to be a difficult test though, uh, Leeds are always a difficult, tricky place to go to. Thomas Christensen had a decent start to the season, uh, picked up four points out of six, although arguably fairly lucky to p- take a point against Preston on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I was speaking to my mate Alex. He went to the game. He was back in Leeds for both the League Cup against Port Vale and then the League game on the weekend. He said, yeah, there wasn't really anything in the game. It, a draw was definitely a fair result. But can we just not play Leeds on a Tuesday night for once? Oh, I'm devastated it's only ever been it. one Saturday 3pm game, and that's when Roddy Yeager scored. Like it's the exact same match day as last season. Exactly. I know. Well, I, I enjoyed that and Saturday I not, one. That's the one I went yeah, to. I could not have a. Don't want to repeat of last season. That was not fun. When Chris Wood scores the worst bicycle kick I've ever seen in like the 86th minute, and then that's sort of what spurred on their season. But there's going to be. It'll be a great atmosphere because Leeds at home is always a great atmosphere, and obviously there's still going to be some animosity between the fans and I think, I think Fulham might bring more than usual to Leeds on a Tuesday it's night it's not saying much is it no it's not saying much because <laughs> that's usually about 300-400 people but with the three coaches hopefully some more Fulham fans uh, head up to Leeds and it will it will be a good game because I mean they've they've. I wasn't sure what was going to happen under their new manager because he was sort of not really experienced in England that much you never know how he'd adapt but in their first two games the game in the league and the game in the cup they don't know they got goals in them but then Saturday's results sort of just blew that idea out of the water. Yeah, Samu Saiz looks like looked like quite a good player in the old cup, but he then had a bit of a you know quiet day in the yeah. office on Saturday. So you know, one of those. They were quite lucky, I'd argue, to get all three points from Bolton. Um, they were three. They went two 0 up. They conceded. They went three one up. They conceded again. And yeah, they're hanging on a little bit towards. They the were end, very right? much hanging on towards the end. And you know, I don't, I, I don't 
think that's anything to think about in terms of us because Bolton actually scored all of their goals from set pieces. I can't remember <laughs> the last time we scored they from a set piece. They have the last piece. 15 years. Yeah, but I can't remember the last time we scored from a set piece. So away. I don't think that's going to... Wickham away last week. Okay, all right, in the in the league. <laughs> um, probably Sigurdsson Ipswich last Boxing Day. Yeah, so that's I think that says enough about our kind of record from set pieces than anything else. But you know, such is life. But I think we'll have the the thing to trouble them. I think we can we can see what's gonna you know what's gonna happen. I think we'll have we have the pace and, and power to you know worry Leeds. And I think that you know with Cabana having had a rest on the weekend, he'll be fit and firing to go. I think Aite is probably going to be out. Which I'm not that fussed about, if I'm perfectly honest. No, I, I take Cabano and Aluka over Ite. Every and day I don't like to hear that, but I I think I'd rather take Cabano because Ite's good, but I feel like Cabano adds more going forward. Like he's gonna, he'll get that scrappy goal. Whereas I feel like Ite tries to do too much of the ball. You know, it worked against Norwich. Let's not you know mug the man off too yeah. much. But yeah, I, I would rather have Cabano on the wing than Ite. I weirdly like Cabano away from home as well. He suits that system. Or just when... play him in the full smile. He did Newcastle away, and he's just winning every single header. Yeah, but we have to play Cess at left back because we don't have any other left backs. Dennis, mate. Dennis is playing centre back. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, no other question, guy. There was late drama last season in both games, and now you've bet on a. Leeds half-time, full and full-time. So you clearly think there's going to be drama in this game. Do you think we'll see uh, a repeat a little bit of last season? Do you think there's going to be goals? It depends how we set up to play. I, th- I think it's, it's the old mantra in the Championship, isn't it? Draw your away games, win your home games. And I think that is what Slav kind of goes for on most occasions. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, you know, a fairly defensive lineup, maybe with a false nine. And when I say defensive, I'm, I just mean false nine. But yeah. I'm not sure too many goals, but hopefully we can come from behind and get that bet. <laughs> and that centre-back dilemma, do we think it's actually going to be Dennis Adoy? There's no reason why he shouldn't be playing there after how he played on the weekend. If it's true that Maddles are going away as well, I just don't think that you can see, you can expect to see yeah, any and more of Michael Maddle. And for me, 100% the obvious choice after the way yeah, he played Yeah, because you may weekend. argue he's small and Chris Woods is big physical striker, but the, the leaps he was getting on Mendes on the weekend were, were, were exceptional and I think Reem's like what six foot three so I don't I think there's no reason why Adoy shouldn't be the other centre back Dennis is also like 92 jumping on FIFA like he's unbelievably good at jumping in the air for a very small man so there you are Fair that's enough. why he got all those leaps on Joseph Mendes and, and Lee's probably will play one up top in Chris Woods so that might make it slightly easier if they can you know double team maybe Chris Wood will be unsettled by the rumours surrounding his future Leeds knocked back a £16 yeah. million pound bid today for Chris Wood. From who? Burnley. But Chris Wood to what? Burnley is go- would be the most Burnley transfer of all well, time. Apart white. from Phil Bardsley. He is white. He's white and he's a big physical guy. <laughs> Sean but he's, he's, not, he's no Sam Vokes. So. It's the, the worst 30 goal a season I've ever seen last year. <laughs> <laughs> Generally awful. Although I think he w- I would take him in our team. Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> 100%. Is that, the, is that the only so thing that maybe... Jallo might be a better choice than Adoy tomorrow is that Chris Wood's no. not got pace no and that, that you've got Tim Ream and Jallo and he would compete more physically with no, Chris Wood that's just incorrect imagine how much like fun Calvin Phillips will have running through on goal <laughs> if Marcelo Jallo is the centre back yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate Jack of course we're <laughs> playing <laughs> devil's avocado again uh, I love it it's my favourite it's my favourite position devil avocado and toast <laughs> my favourite half time snack okay well um We've moved on to it a bit quicker than I would have anticipated. But, Jack, is it worth opening the post bag? We've got loads of questions. We actually do have loads of questions. Right, so the first question we've got is an email question that we got last week. And it said, Certain panel members slated Marcelo Jallo during pre-season friendlies, but also claimed that results weren't important and individual sharpness that was. 
Considering Jallo's performance on Tuesday night in a competitive fixture, has the panel's opinion of him changed? Don bet. No, it has not changed. Because he was, he was playing no. against the League Two side. Grow up. No, he just seems like a big lump, doesn't he? Without the lump qualities. He did actually pass the ball very well, given the man where his due is. Sammy? I am still not fully against Marcelo Jallo. I'm still giving him a little bit of time. Obviously, uh, he looks to be a very strange signing. But... He did do okay against Wickham. I still think there is potentially a small place for him as backup. We can't expect too much quality as championship defensive backup because if they were that good, they wouldn't want to be sitting on the bench guaranteed every single week. So I think there's a place for him. I think that although the signs are looking bad, I think that it's too early to judge a player when we haven't really seen him. I kind of agree with you. I, I think that that Wickham performance is nothing short of being ludicrous to judge him on because you can't say that a player coming off a League Two game, basically, is, is good enough suddenly to start in the championship. However, I do think with the right mentoring and nurturing, he could turn out to be okay in the future. I just don't think that time has come yet, and I think it's mad to start suggesting that that time has come because he had one good performance in the cup. Yeah, I mean, he's a young player. Was he 22, 23? Yeah. So he's just not great or good enough to get into our side at the moment. I've no doubt that you've seen glimpses of where he could be good and could be a great player. Well, not great player, but like a championship that will play in two or three years' time. And I think he's okay to have in the squad if you need to if you need to bring another centre-back in and to play in the cup games. But, yeah, it's, I think it's ludicrous to suggest he should be even playing on Tuesday. I think, um, though... If he does need some modelling work to uh, top the wages up in London, I feel like he'd do have a strong shout. Yeah, he is a good-looking man. He Fair does love the greasy him. look. Thank you very much to Patrick Clifford for that question. Uh, we've just got a brand new question via our email, so we're going to address that, which is... We're going live. I've not read this question, so this could be random. Dominic Pickering says, Guys, I enjoy the show over here in Florida. Oh, thanks for listening, Dom. We appreciate it. Here's my question. Visit Florida. Yeah, visit Florida. If all players are fit and you have to pick a midfield three from TC, Steph, K-Mac and Norwood, who would you pick on current form? And more to the point, who would you leave out? I think I'd pick... On current form? Yeah, he's on current specified. Form, current form. So on current form, I'd drop Johansson and keep Norwood, McDonald and... and uh, but it's, it's, it's tough because Kenny's not fit, but if we're going to go for... Yeah, if they're all fit. If they're all fit, yeah. then I'll go for Kenny, Norwood and McDonald's. I think you have to... I'd say... I think, I think you have to say the same because... Johansson, I don't want it to happen what happened to Celtic. I mentioned it, I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago that he didn't do anything in the second season. Yeah. But I think he was like that at the start last season. And then after a month or two in, when he came back into the side, him and McDonald was that pivot we were looking for. Because for the first few months of the season, we didn't know what our best 11 was. And I still don't think we do. Because, I mean, yes, you'd assume it would be McDonald, Johansson, Kearney, same as last season. But there's been a pre-season. Kearney's got, got his injury. So I think, yeah, I'd say Kearney. Norwood and McDonald as well. See, I would agree back to your point earlier that I think that Steph and K-Mac are the two more undroppable players of that midfield trio, and I think that we can cope without Tom Kearney. I'm actually not sure Norwood be, would be the person that I would replace Tom yeah, Kearney with. Yeah, I wouldn't with. argue bringing, let's say you have McDonald and Johansson and bringing, I don't know, Piers on That was 10. exactly what I was going to say. I just don't think, on current form, as stated, you can drop Norwood. Because I think he's been our best midfielder in the last in the, in the first. Yeah. So so to answer Dominic's question more specifically, I would actually slightly disagree with Guy and with Dom and say Steph K Mac Norwood. 
I would drop TC as well. So that that makes two of us, Sammy. So that's, two, two. that's interesting. Two all from the Fulhamish panel. As Cracking question now. though, Dominic. Good question. This one from Nathan Mack on Twitter. We had 14 draws last season. When do these results start to become a concern and how can we turn them into wins? Scoring more goals. <laughs> Good. Simple as. Guy. Well, we scored a lot. We scored the most goals in the championship last year, didn't we? And yeah, and that still didn't address so, it. That's so, what I was about to say. So, Maybe concede less. Concede fewer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the answer. I think we've probably addressed that question. I mean, Nathan, you've had um, you've had a very brief answer to your question, but we are actually rattling through today. So I think I think no, but I think there is. I think it is about becoming more clinical going forward. As much as you can argue with our defence, we may have scored the most goals in the championship last year, but how many more could we have scored if we buried a lot of the chances that we had? Because out of the attacking players, I think Pearson is the only one i trust in a one-on-one situation. Maybe Cabano as well, but yeah, I think we just need to be more clinical with our chances, which we were, I'd argue, on the weekend. I mean, yes, we could have scored maybe a couple more, but I think Saturday was an argument or a game where you could see we were actually clinical with our chances, and I think we just need more inconsistent in that aspect. So yeah, I think to improve the draws going into wins, it's just taking our chances, I think. I've always felt like Fulham's drawn more games than... Other teams. Yeah, there was that that brief spell, I think, under Coleman in the Premier League. Where, everything. Yeah, well, it was just us and Villa were like, no, we're going to try and draw as many games as, as possible. possible. Like, if it was like, it was, I think it was probably like Villa's under O'Neill versus us, Coleman. It was like, who can get more draws in one season? Do you know the interesting thing I was wondering? Would you rather have lost one game and won one game or drawn both? So obviously, you'd have three points from the former. So it sounds like a ridiculous question, but at the moment we have a little bit of an unbeaten... Well, for me, it depends what, game, you, win them, what yeah. game you lose and what game you win. Because if you lose the first, lose first game of the season and win the second, I take that over two draws. If you lose, yeah, if you lose the second, you lose all your momentum. Okay. Easy for me to say. Yeah, that's, um, the way I, that's the way I'd, I'd see it. Okay, we've got a couple more. This one's from Bettinelli or BX Tonelli. Um, well, I think he's called Sam, actually. Um, he says we've been linked. Well, we have been linked today with two left backs, Tyrone Mings and Joe Bennett. Would you have a preference out of the two, and if so, why? I actually texted my Brighton friends um, about Joe Bennett because he was there under Hippier, and he said he was he played mainly as a left winger under a terrible Hippier team. And God, they were bad, weren't they? Yeah, that was yeah, and um, so he said. I said, we'd probably move Sessegnon forward. He said, if, if Joe Bennett was your answer defensively, I'd be concerned. So I don't really rate Joe Bennett based on what he said. I mean, if Tyrone Mings, the, what I've judged him in was that season under Mick McCarthy uh, where it, the Ipswich side got into the playoffs. And I, two of my mates, mates at unit at the time were, were massive Ipswich fans, one of my, my housemate. And I think I take either of them at the moment because we need cover at left back, simple as that. Because uh, at the moment, Adoy is covering left back Centre back and right back. You've forgotten Steven Sessignon. Because I, I, I just think I would take either of them at the current time because I think we just need to get yeah. players in at this moment in time. If I was going to choose between the two, I'd, I'd probably argue Tyron Mings, but that's maybe because I've just seen more of him play than I have Joe Bennett. I would quite like Tyron Mings. He can also cover at centre back a little yeah. bit, can't he? Yeah, as and well, he's, which... he's a more he's a more physical defender, I'd argue, than Joe Bennett. He's, he's Six big. Six or five, I think, yeah. I um, I also have a friend who supports Ipswich, and he actually has been punched in the face by Tyrone Mings in a nightclub. So I'd rather not have Tyrone Mings. Can I ask uh, if the Mings rumour is actually substantiated? I, like, I don't know. I, I haven't it actually seen any Charles Jones I've, I've, I've seen the uh, the Joe Bryan one from Bristol City. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- if, Dean Jones today yeah. did come through with the Joe Bennett rumor. Oh, really? As okay. a, um, if you're adding Joe Bryan in situation, I think I'd have him out. Of yeah, I'd have Joe Bryan ahead of all of them. But I, I just again, it's just judging on what I've seen. And I, I don't, as I said, we don't watch these players forty games a season. Joe, so Joe Bennett did um, was a has been an almost a long term Fulham transfer target. The season we brought in Luke Garber, a left back, we tried to bring in Joe Bennett from Villa at that point. And so, there's, you know, he's he's been linked with us, you know, reasonably consistently. As many times as Jason Kumas. Not quite as many times Colin as Cole? Jason Kumas. Um, but it was one of those where I'd quite like to see Joe Bennett in the side. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, he's an attacking left back. But at the same time, we did OK with an attacking left back last season who couldn't defend. I think Joe Bennett is a better defender than Scott Malone, having watched him you know, slightly, a few, a few times for, for various clubs, to be Can honest. Can he cross the ball? That's, that is a big he, question. He's a better crosser of the ball than Scott Malone as said, well. So yeah, I think that, I think times. Joe Bennett would be an upgrade on Scott Malone, if I'm perfectly honest, and I think that that would do us good, and, and therefore think, we could move forward. I can't remember who forward. mentioned it. Someone mentioned on Twitter earlier that is, is Cardiff to Fulham the new wing-back route to reach the Premier League? Looks like it, doesn't because, it? Because, yeah, apart, Scott, apart Malone, Scott Malone, jazz. right? We don't score that goal <laughs> at home in the playoffs if he could cross the ball. We only score that goal because he can't <laughs> cross the ball. <laughs> his, uh, his curse is a blessing. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, last one, I'm going to go for Alex Pure Power, who says... Regular questioner. Does love a question. He says, first manager sacked in the league this season. He's gone for Carlos Carvajal at Sheffield Wednesday. Well, he'd certainly be in trouble, Carlos Carvajal, if he lost to us on Saturday. Yes, I mean, they will do. Hey, hey. Yeah, it could be a bunch of it. Could be a bunch of lonely managers. I'm actually going to have Steve Bruce. I think. Yeah, he, I, I think, think he's go. in real, real trouble. I'm not too surprised that Villa aren't doing. I mean, so if, well. I'd love it to be higher red nap. It's, it's not just not going to be higher red But like, because uh, Birmingham, yeah, as we said, they're either going to do really well or be awful, which I think they'll be awful. I think both Birmingham sides are going to be terrible this season. But yeah, I'm going to go with Steve Bruce. If uh, Brentford keep up their poor form. I mean, they've played two games. I know, but still. Four, mate. Rennett might resign before he was sacked. Yeah, I think he probably would. He's quite good at doing that, actually. Yeah. Although he, he might have a medical condition that. that just appears out of nowhere again. Classic. Classic. Well, I mean, that's. I'm going to close the post back there because we have had lots of questions, but most of them we've kind of hopefully addressed during the course of the show. There was a lot about Jallo and uh, a lot about Adoy. So hopefully we've kind of vaguely touched on those things and I think that that's probably enough for today thank you Sam so it has come to the end of this week's podcast as ever Secretary Jack you need to give this podcast a title what are you thinking I did enjoy a couple of the things Piazon's Royal Revenge did stick out to me um, nice right in the Jap's eye is, a, <laughs> is another <laughs> highlight um, very crude but I'm going to go for a play on a so solid classic um, and I'm going to call it 38 seconds to go very nice. I like a bit of 90s R&B in the title. I'd argue it's early 2000s garage, but, you know, whatever, yes. you, whatever, you you, whatever floats your boat, mate. I, I, suddenly I had in my head Blazing Squad, but again, that's also naughty, so I don't know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't believe that I have uh, a show, a show on, on... Kiss, yeah. A show on uh, a 90s and naughties digital radio station. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Thank you so much for listening as ever. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, really helps us get found by potential other podcast listeners, other Fulham fans searching for us. Just leave us a little review, five stars preferably, uh, and that is much appreciated. And make sure you're always following 
at Fulhamish Pod on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook as well. Uh, we're going to be back on Thursday night. We're doing a special midweek pod looking back at the Leeds game and looking forward to the Sheffield Wednesday game, the second game of the season back at the cottage. So, Don Betts, thank you very much. All right. Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. And Guy Barlow, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Toodles. <laughs>